written to the uh, scattered lost tribes of Israel that uh, you know uh, we, we have that that claim that we're uh, we're that lost tribe of, of Israel and, and it applies to us just as well as it did to uh, <coughs> the people he was talking to back in the day. But if this was really written. This uh, was written. So James, the first chapter, chapter one says, James, the servant of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. Says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may not that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. <clears throat> it seems like uh, it is so uh, very easy because we can't see we can't see the future. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in an hour from now or two hours from now, let alone, you know, five years, ten years down the road. And uh, <clears throat> and yet, we seem to always think we have the right answers. You know, in our mind, we think that uh, uh, we know what's best for us and what's best for everyone else that we're around. And uh, <clears throat> and that's just our fleshly uh, uh, human nature uh, coming out of us. But it says here that if things are not going the way you want... And the thing, and the way, uh, and you're having these different temptations that are coming upon you, uh, you shouldn't, you know, get down in the dumps about it because, you know, we don't know um, what these, uh, the temptations and the, and the <clears throat> trials and tribulations that we're going through, that it's not building us up for something else or it's going uh, uh, to be to our good in, in the long run. So it's knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh, but let patience have perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If you lack, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. Uh, <clears throat> but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And so, uh, <clears throat> sometimes uh, we... Uh, we lack this wisdom, but we don't really notice that we're lacking it. We don't uh, we don't understand that we're we're lacking the wisdom. But but whenever we have decisions to make, we have uh, things that we need to uh, uh, choices and and things that we need to make. Uh, we should go to God and ask Him of it. And it says that you should have faith to act. You know, not only are are we uh, <clears throat> asking for this wisdom, but we should expect that God's going to give it to us by by faith. It says not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. You know, if you're <clears throat> saying you're faithful, but you're not really, you know, you're, you're just going to be flopping around and, with no direction, and it's just going to take you out to the deep sea or the deep waters that uh, you'll be in over your head pretty quick. So when you ask for this faith uh, and this wisdom, uh, you, you should uh, exercise your faith in, in believing that God is going to grant that. Verse 7 says, For let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. But the rich in that he is made low. Because of the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. You know, our riches are, <clears throat> are only uh, here while we're on this earth. Uh, we may have nice things, uh, but all nice things, uh, even a brand new car after a few years, it becomes older and so we started having issues and difficulties with it. Uh, <clears throat> so no matter what, what we have, new clothes, houses, uh, everything, uh, it's only 
temporary. It's, it's not uh, eternal. And, uh, and the rich may have possessed a lot of that and have a lot of the nice things, but uh, it says here that uh, but our lives are so short uh, that uh, it's as a flower that blooms in the spring, and then like we see our flowers here, they're starting to, to die uh, with the, the cold weather, and, and the bees are trying their best to make a little honey out of it, but uh, I don't know how much you're gonna get out of those flowers that we have there, but uh, but their time has passed, and, and uh, and they were pretty while they were here, and but it was just a quick season, and, and they're gone. It says, For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. It seems like uh, the rich people probably think less about having God to provide for them than the poor people do because uh, they rely on their own riches and their own gains and uh, and they don't they don't worry where their next meal is coming from or where they're uh, uh, how they're going to pay a bill uh, because the rich uh, work uh, the poor you know uh, they're always looking to God to provide that and praying and and looking to him to uh, bless them and and so I think that's where a lot of the, the rich people, uh, do, you know, uh, it talks a lot about the rich people, you know, not being able to enter the kingdom of God. And I, I, I don't think that all rich people are not going to be able to enter, but those that uh, start leading the Lord out of their lives and those that are not putting him first in their lives are the ones that uh, they're talking about here, the ones that are not living daily for him. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. <clears throat> you know, uh, you hear a lot of the uh, used to the older uh, generations talking about the crown that God has for them and uh, the crown of life. And it, we don't hear a lot of the younger people talking about that anymore, but uh, it makes you wonder uh, exactly what, what that crown is going to be and, and, uh, <clears throat> and what that promise that the Lord is uh, uh, going to give us. Verse 13 says, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So <clears throat> whenever, uh, you know, you can't get away with something saying that, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, God is, is trying me or tempting me and stuff. And he says, well, that's not the way he operates. He's not going to tempt you. Uh, however, your own uh, fleshly uh, human nature uh, is going to, going to make you or give you that temptation it's it's the human in us and the the uh that uh comes out uh in our lives that uh, gives us that temptation it's not from god it says but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed so like i was saying it's our own lust our own enticement that uh that brings us away from god and and to uh uh do things that uh, that we shouldn't do Verse 15 says that when the lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Of course, we know that the sin in the garden is what caused the starting of the death. That's whenever Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit, and therefore sin had entered into the world. And if it hadn't been for that, they probably would have lived forever in that garden. And we wouldn't have been here today, I guess. But... But the way the way it is, uh, um, 
it came about is uh, that there is sin in the world and uh, and it's uh, for us to, to get that sin out of our lives and to let God uh, deliver us from that. Verse 16 says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, which in which whom is no variables, variableness, neither shadow of turning. <clears throat> I like the way that the, the Bible refers to uh, God, uh, the Holy Spirit, different things as light. You know, it's a light. It's uh, something that we can uh, uh, we can see, uh, and we can see uh, gives us direction. Uh, also, uh, lights up things that we can see the uh, the good and the evil. Um, able to steer away from that that's bad uh, with that light. It says of His own will begot He us with the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of His creatures. Wherefore, my brethren. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to uh, to speak slow to... Wait, I better start that again. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's a <clears throat> very... That's our human nature coming out of us again. Uh, it's so easy for us to uh, uh, not hear what somebody's saying. Because uh, we're thinking about what we're going to ask next, or we're thinking about... Uh, what we're going to do later in the day and what they say to us. And, and I, this is on me because I am very bad about this. My mind is a one track. And, and if I'm thinking of something else, somebody's saying something else, I'm totally not listening. And and people see it in my eyes and in my expressions. And, and they'll say, hey, are you with me? And I, you know, I'll bring me back around. But but what we have to do is we have to be better listeners. We have to be able to, to listen to other people better and to uh, be able to... Uh, um, actually uh, understand what they're saying. And by doing that, we're better able to help them to understand their their needs and uh, <clears throat> and their concerns. And it helps us to, uh, better to understand how to help them. And <clears throat> so it says, be slow to speak. How many times do we say something and we say, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Or that they, it didn't come out like I meant for it to. And uh, <clears throat> so, uh, so we need to kind of think about what we're going to say before we say it. And <clears throat> the other one is to not get really upset real fast. I mean, how, how easy are we? Somebody say something, one word, and oh, it just brings the anger out in us. And uh, yet, uh, here, uh, he's cautioning his brethren uh, to be slow to wrath. Don't, don't get upset real fast. It says, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. <clears throat> Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity, naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So, uh, <clears throat> so we need to get all of this things out of our lives, all of this, you know, try to keep ourselves separated from the world and from its uh, <clears throat> filthiness, from its uh, 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 unholy ways. And it says, and, see, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And it says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So we know that uh, uh, sometimes we know what God's word says and we know what we're supposed to do. But are we really doing it in our lives? Are we displaying what the word says through, through our actions and through our uh, um, um, and the way that we are uh, conducting our business and, and going about ourselves in, in the world. 
so we're not only supposed to know God's word in our mind, but we're also supposed to uh, be out there uh, living that word. It says, but if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he, be he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Here continues on about the th uh, train of thought about being, uh, uh, not only being a hearer, but also out there doing uh, uh, God's work. And it says that uh, uh, when you're doing his work, you're going to be blessed in your deed that you're doing. It says, uh, it says if any man among you uh, seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, that man's religion is vain. Um, so <clears throat> here it's telling us to watch our words and how we, what words we say uh, that can, uh, whether it's using God's word in, uh, in, uh, in vain or, or uh, just being uh, deceitful, being, uh, uh, saying, spouting off, you know, uh, <clears throat> saying things that are not edifying one another. Uh, it says that you're really, uh, you, you haven't, got the point then if you if you haven't got uh if you're not out there living it uh uh people are going to see it and it, it's all for nothing it's all for vain it says it says pure religion and undefiled uh, before god and the father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world <clears throat> it's very hard to do to keep yourself unspotted from the world today because uh <clears throat> The world is becoming more and more or less uh, uh, drawn to God. Uh, a lot of people are rejecting God. Uh, they're rejecting that there is a God uh, and uh, don't believe in heaven or hell. And, uh, and by the way the, our government is run, the way our laws are in the world today, God is being further and further pushed away. Uh, and... Uh, before long, we're going to find ourselves being uh, persecuted, just like uh, back in Jesus' days, uh, whenever the uh, apostles and disciples were, were persecuted. Uh, uh, I think that day is coming quickly upon us, and uh, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to endure that with uh, with our trust in God and and our faith that we have. Um, I'll start in a little bit in. Uh, uh, chapter 2 here, it says, I might read the whole thing, I don't know, we'll see how time goes, but it says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come with you in an assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand there, thou there, or sit there under my footstool, are you not then partial yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? <clears throat> so it's telling us here that uh, we shouldn't uh, judge people in the way of their appearance, uh, their uh, maybe their position in the in the community in the uh, area, uh, <clears throat> that we should uh, treat them all equally. Um, <clears throat> this is something that uh, is very easy to do. 
uh, is to find somebody uh, that's uh, uh, dirty and filthy and hasn't taken a bath or anything, and and it, it's a little bit harder to to love them as it is somebody that's uh, maybe a little bit more fixed up, and, and it's telling us to be careful about that, that we shouldn't do that. Uh, <clears throat> verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5 says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen this poor of this world? world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him but ye have despised the poor do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself you do well but if you have respect to persons you commit sin you are convinced of the law as transgressors <clears throat> you know uh how much easier is it to do something for someone that you know that might turn around and do something for us later on, you know? And, and that's not re the reason why we should do that. Uh, even if we know the person will probably never be in a position to pay you back or to uh, help you out again, uh, you shouldn't hold that against them. And that's what I think it's, it's trying to say here. Uh, and we should treat everyone as our neighbor. Uh, and... Uh, and it says, as thyself, you know, treat them the way you want to be treated, uh, is the way we've always been taught. <clears throat> Verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and do as they shall be judged by the law of liberty. Aren't you glad that we are under that law of liberty? I mean, so hard. It would have been so hard to keep all of the old laws and the Old Testament laws that were uh, created. Because uh, if just one one thing you did wrong, uh, you were guilty of it all. And, and so uh, we're living in a time that, uh, uh, that I think... Uh, sometimes we take a little too lightly as, or we take too much uh, for granted of that liberty that uh, um, that maybe we, we uh, take advantage of that and that's something we need to be careful about not to be uh, uh, saying well it's just the, we're under, we're under uh, the grace or we're under liberty uh, we don't uh, have to worry about it but we, we do have to uh, as we're reading it again, we got to have that uh, come through our, our works and through our the way we act and how we uh, treat other people. Uh, are we uh, uh, living God's word? And uh, we shouldn't just go about doing what we want because we're under under the law of liberty. Thir uh, for 13 says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against that judgment. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and you say unto them, uh, Depart in peace, for you are warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So uh, you can't, if you see a, a person out there that needs food or clothing, and, and he says, Oh, God will take care of you and send them on down the road. Uh, what what have you actually done to that person you know, or helped that person out? And uh, you haven't done anything. Uh, <clears throat> it says that we're to take that responsibility and do that. Verse 17 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Uh, 
Yea, men say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without my works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. <clears throat> you know, that's what's, what's sad today, as I mentioned a little earlier, that a lot of the world out there don't even believe there is a God. And, uh, and they're uh, questioning uh, that there, there ever was a God. And uh, we're seeing that trend among uh, a lot of the younger, younger generations that uh, uh, say, well, I don't even know if there is a God. I don't know if there is a heaven or a hell. And, uh, and, and they're just not seeing uh, uh, and haven't been taught because, you know, their parents hadn't taken them to church and their parents' parents haven't taken them to church. And we've got so many generations that, that don't even go to church or read the Bible or, or teach anything about God in their households and their lives anymore. And it's sad that uh, we as God's people should be out there uh, every chance we get uh, uh, spreading God's word and and. And the way we live our lives, we should be able to uh, 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 reflect that light in our lives that others will see it. Was not Abraham our father justified by works uh, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? <clears throat> that uh, story about uh, Abraham offering up uh, Isaac on the altar, uh, <clears throat> very uh, uh, much putting the faith out there in, in in practice and uh, doing exactly what God said all the way up until the end and uh, <clears throat> and yet uh, said that uh, that uh, God stayed his hand he wasn't able to finish the, the job uh, but in his heart God saw that he was uh, he was to that point that he was going to offer Isaac <clears throat> I've always kind of wondered about Isaac if he ever wanted to go with him anymore after that uh, something you, you kind of wonder. I always think the other, the other side of that. But uh, anyway, uh, hopefully Isaac understood and uh, didn't hold that against him. <clears throat> Verse twenty-two says, uh, "Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect." And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, "Abraham believed God, and it was imputed him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of uh, God." <clears throat> you know how. Uh, I don't know that we could have any any uh, 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 greater words told to us than saying that we're a friend of God. Uh, and this was uh, uh, told about Abraham, that he was his friend. Uh, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. <clears throat> now, we just, uh, I think Brother Tyler uh, gave a lesson on Rahab the other day, and uh, how <clears throat> not only her, but her whole household uh, uh, were saved from death uh, because of her uh, 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 works that she had done to uh, uh, save the, the messengers that uh, came to scout out the city. And we see then uh, uh, how God has protected her. And it says, uh, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we don't, as Baptists, believe that you know the works are going to get you into heaven. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, that you're going to make it to heaven. However, sometimes I think as Baptists that we take that a little too much uh, to the 
one side and saying, well, I don't have to do much of anything because because uh, the works is not going to get me there. And I think I think that's kind of a, a short falling of, of us Baptists is that we, uh, therefore, we kind of uh, don't do the works that we should. And uh, and it says here that if you have uh, good faith uh, and you're practicing that faith, those works are just going to come naturally. You're just going to do the things that, uh, uh, that uh, God wants us to do. Uh, he's going to lead us into how he wants things done and who we should help out and uh, how we should how we should do it and uh, and when we uh, are led to do something and don't do it then we're in big trouble ourselves as Christians because uh, we're not doing we're not following what God wants us to do and uh, that's something I think that uh, <clears throat> I probably know I needed this morning and uh, hope Maybe it was a blessing to you. Uh, that's pretty much all I have. We'll have a little bit longer break this morning. There's coffee in there, uh, coffee pot. There's uh, some cookies. If some you guys want to take a little break and do that, uh, we'll uh, uh, dismiss our class in a word of prayer. And ask Brother Dennis, if you would, to lead us in a word of prayer. Thanks for another beautiful day. Services we've had here this morning, and that's might continue to be with the remainder of the services and guide direct us and service do the things that make be pleasing to you.
He's still laughing. He's got the house last So, beginning in verse 10 over there as well, we'll read down some more. Excuse me. <clears throat> I missed a couple of verses. It says, For I would that men, even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Paul was referencing that he, did, he was not in a marriage relationship. He says, I would that, my, that every man be like myself, because there is not an opportunity for he says, for distraction. Now, ladies, I'm not saying that you guys are a distraction to us. That's not, that's not it. Or we are a distraction to y'all. But Paul felt that it was a distraction for him in his service to the Lord. So he remained unmarried. It says, but every man hath his proper gift, and one after another manner, and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So if they're unmarried or if they're a widow remain single for lack of a better word he says but if they cannot contain it let them marry for it's better than for them to marry than to burn that word burn there means to lust after or desire that relationship so moving on to verse 10 there we'll read a few more verses down it says and unto the married I command them yet not I but the Lord let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. But to, to, rest, to the rest I speak, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believe not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And if the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were you children unclean, but now you are holy. But if they, the unbelieving depart, let him depart. And if a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. 
For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all the churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not be uncircumcised. Is any man called an uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But the keeping of the commands of the Lord. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he is called, and art thou called being a servant, care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are brought with a price, but ye not the uh, but not ye the servants of men. Be ye not, excuse me. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. So he begins on down there in this same passage talking about divorce. We understand that divorce has been around for quite some time. And <clears throat> mind you, I know that some of this is a difficult topic amongst brothers and sisters in Christ today and varying ideas or belief. But what we have here in the scripture paints a pretty in, pretty important picture for us. He's talking about the proper relationship of a husband and wife. And he talks about divorce if it does happen. So he says there um, in Mark, let's go to Mark 10 and 1. Mark 10 and 1. 10 and 1. <clears throat> it says, And he arose from, the, uh, from thence and came unto the coast of Judea. Did I turn the right place? I think I did. Okay, here we go. Farther than the side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and, they tw and the twain shall be one flesh, so that they are no more two twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And in the house his disciples again questioned him of the same matter. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committed to adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So he addresses the same situation here, um, explicitly mentioning the divorce act that Moses, the divorce decree that Moses wrote. And what did he tell him? The Pharisee said, did Moses not write this divorce decree? And he says, what was Jesus' response? The hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Well, we know what the hardness of, of our heart is. We saw that demonstrated in the text talking about Pharaoh 
hardening his heart towards the Lord. But nonetheless, he allowed Moses to write the Moses wrote the decree because they desired the decree of divorcement. So the purpose wasn't that the the legality of divorce, but it was rather the context of marriage. The Lord didn't desire that the, that the two parties that come together to make one mutual agreement part ways. That's not the function of the Lord's of the Lord's work. But nonetheless, it does happen. And I will say this that this is not this is not for me to, to judge according to the scriptures. It's not for me to judge those situations. The Lord does those things himself. But it is a responsibility for us to be familiar with the scripture and what it does say about divorce and what it does say about marriage. I encourage you all to read this and study this yourself. Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24. Using these particular places is just merely building a context for the subject matter today. Deuteronomy 24. Verse 1 there, it says, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanliness in her, then let let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if latter the husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it to her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or the latter husband die, which took her to be his husband, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled and it is abomination before the Lord. And then thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year and shall cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. No man shall take the, the nether of the upper millstone to pledge, for he hath taken a man's life to pledge. I won't read any more there. So here we're talking about the laws regard to, uh, to marriage and divorcement. So he says there, if a man and a woman uh, divorce because of some unclean reason, based on my understanding of this particular passage here, if uncleanliness meant that there was something not right in the, in the marriage there, that there was some kind of adultery or fornication committed beforehand. Um, but then he goes on and says, if he put if he sends her on her way and she marries another man and he take her and he dies, then she cannot be rejoined to the former husband. So it's just the law expressing there what what was going on between the marriage and divorcement there and, and under the Old Testament law. Let's go back over to Matthew chapter 5. I know a lot of flipping and turning this morning. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. <clears throat> 
In verse 27 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, You have heard that it is said uh, by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whomsoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it off from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, that the whole body should not be cast into hell. Says then it has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writ of divorcement. And I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, save, saving for them the cause of fornication, causeth them to commit adultery. And with whomsoever shall marry her, that is divorced, committeth adultery. Again, you have heard that I have been uh, that has been said of them of old times that thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform it unto the Lord thine oath. <coughs> read a little farther <clears throat> so let's this mentioning here in Matthew chapter 5 he again mentions here the teachings on divorce and the teachings regarding fornication he says whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery and her that already in his heart then he proceeds to talk about plugging out the eye or the hand that offends. And that is so to avoid temptation. But then he specifically mentions divorce again. He says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writ of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her, that is divorce, committeth adultery. So again, that's what this is just regard to what the Lord was speaking on divorce. It's not the words of Brother Tyler or any other brother, but it's the words of the Lord here. That's not speaking to the cause of any other thing. I, I can't judge that, neither can, neither can any of us, but what the Lord says. So it's reported for us to, to read this and understand it and study it. <clears throat> it is my desire my responsibility to present the word of God and to, to see what the scripture says concerning these matters. And it will help us understand what we're reading over here in 1 Corinthians. Let's look at 1 Peter as well, chapter 3. 1 Peter and chapter 3. And verse 1. Likewise, ye husbands be sub, uh, subject to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it be known, uh, let it be that outward adorning of the plating of hair, of the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of the weak and the quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of a great price. For after this matter, in the old times, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subject unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, 
calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor unto the wife and as a weaker vessel and as being heirs together with the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. So again, he's talking about marriage. He says, likewise, wives be subject to your husbands. But he also talks a little bit about the men in the same fashion. He says there, while they, they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. It says, if your husband obey not the word, they also may without, without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. So those that have spouses that are not in the faith, it's a difficult thing. But still continuing to live your life as the Lord has patterned it, that you might be able to deliver your spouse through the through our coupled with our fear of the Lord, whose adorning let it not be without the outward. So it's talking about the outward um, dress and the outward apparel, but he says it should be the hidden person. One that's not seen. It says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and, which, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of the weak and quiet spirit which is inside of God at great price. For after this manner in old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being subject unto their own husbands. It references Sarah and Abraham. I don't think there's not one occasion where I, I read regarding Sarah and Abraham that Sarah disobeyed or Sarah disobeyed God or Sarah done anything to, to uh, for lack of a better word, throw her husband underneath the bus. But through her faith and her quiet spirit and her devotion to the Lord, she maintained help for her husband and was an example. I think it's a wonderful thing that she's mentioned here. It says, likewise, ye husbands. So now he's addressing the husbands as well. Dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor unto thy wife, as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs, together of grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So likewise, the husbands, we are to treat our wives goodly. It doesn't say we're to yell at them, scream at them, you know, talk to them like they're silly. But we should manifest the same spirit there. I believe that's what it's talking about. It says, as in the weaker vessels. It doesn't say that the women are weaker vessels. Without you ladies, we would be probably dead or, <laughs> or dying pretty quickly. Um, I always think about the, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, towards my grandfather, end of, end of his life, he was not able to care for himself and he was not always in good health and he wasn't always feeling well. And sometimes he said things that he wouldn't normally say. But my grandmother still endured it and she still cared for him because she loved him. And I think about that and, and because that's one of the examples that's in my mind growing up is that that's how we are to act with one another. Even sometimes it causes us great difficulty, but we still love our spouses enough to, 
to sacrifice our time for them and our concern for them that they that they might be lifted up and encouraged in serving the Lord. Look, let's look over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 22. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of our body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to it himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it would be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, that he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of this body, and of his flesh, and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and have joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So the instruction here in Ephesians chapter 5 was the ultimate ultimate point that Brother Paul was trying to make here was that the relationship there of Christ and the church. So it is that the husband, the function of a husband and wife are to follow the self-same example. He says, Their wives submitting unto your husbands as, as unto the Lord. He says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. But then he goes on there, talking to the, talking to the husband a little later, further down there in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Our duty as husbands is to love our wives and to be an example, the spiritual head of the, the, spiritual head of the household, following after the example of Christ. My duty as a husband to Donna is to show and exemplify the same attributes that Christ had for the church. I also think that in the self-same way as parents for their children. You know, husband, wife, mother to her child is the same thing. Fostering that care and concern and love that they might continue to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But our love for one another is the key point there. Loving one another. Demonstrating the same affection that Christ had. It says that he might present himself to church glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Not, 
I think in terms of, uh, I told Donna last night, in terms of our marriage, I said, no marriage is perfect. Perfect in the eyes that it's without flaw. But the intent is, is that our marriage, each of our marriages is an ongoing process. As Donna and I go on each year, I learn more about Donna. And she learns more about me. And the things that we don't like, but we try to help complement each other to overcome those those things that don't complement our marriage. And I speak about our marriage because that's the one that I know most of, most about. And shouldn't it be our desire to, to be like Christ and how he loved the church? That's the point. Sacrificing ourselves for for the benefit of the Lord, for service to the Lord. I believe that was the intent that, that Brother Paul, not only were there problems regarding marriage, but I believe that was the sole intent that Brother Paul was trying to point out to the church there about marriage. Let's turn back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again. So he says there, <clears throat> down in verse 20 through 24 there, it says, let every man abide in the same calling where he is called. Art thou being uh, called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price, but ye... The servants of men, brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. So in whatever situation they were in, he was talking about remain there. If you're married, and remain married. If you're unmarried, remain unmarried. If you feel that, that compelled to do so. But the point was, is the he mentions there is freedom in Christ. That freedom that we've mentioned previously. We chose to serve the Lord. Let us follow after those examples that he's given us. That's the point. Marriage is a covenant. Let's continue on there. We have about five more minutes and then I'll be done. (laughs) Verse 25 there, it says, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, Yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy to the Lord of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that it is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bond, bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But if thou marry and thou hast not sinned, and if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned, nevertheless such shall have trouble in the flesh. but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had had none. And they that weep as though they had not wept. And they rejoice as though they had rejoiced not. And they that buy as though they had possessed not. And they that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would say to you, have a, without carefulness, he that is unmarried, careth for the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. 
But he that is married careth for the things that are of this world and how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, and she may be holy, both in body and spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world and how she may please her husband. And thus I speak for your, uh, for your own profit, not that I may cause a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that they may attend unto the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely towards his virgin, and if he passeth the flower of her age, need not require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, and let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So that he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if the husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abides, and after my judgment, I think also that I have the Spirit of God. So, just what we mentioned earlier, if you're married, stay married. If you're not, then not. Paul's purpose and intention there was for the encouragement of the church here at Corinth. He knew that in this particular state, he was not married. And he was just addressing each in their own state for, their, for the purpose of encouraging them. He says there in verse 30, I believe it's 32, says, But if I would that you have without carefulness, he that is married careth for the things of the, that belong to the not married, is, that, that careth for the things of this, uh, that belong to the Lord, how may he please the Lord? But he that is married careth for the things of the world and how he may please his wife. He's not saying it's bad to be married. He's saying that there's an opportunity for distraction from serving the Lord. You know, we're, we become concerned about the pleasing of our spouse. But not to make that as an opportunity where it covers up our service to the Lord. Our service to the Lord is always number one. Anything else comes after that. Boy, is that a hard thing for us to learn. Sometimes I think throughout the week, man, if I could just make Donna smile. <laughs> not that she's not smiling. Don't take that away. <laughs> And the same thing for her with me, but it, it, for it not to be a distraction from our service to God is what he's, he's speaking on there. And the same thing regarding those that are not married, speaking of a virgin there. Not letting those desires cause you to lose sight of serving the Lord. So what it amounts to in our service to the Lord is that we remain focused on him, not letting the relationships of this world cloud our spiritual relationship with the Lord, but that it we remain focused on serving the Lord. The intent of a spouse is to encourage each other in serving the Lord. Same it is as when we come together here, that we encourage one another to serve the Lord. But the intent is not to distract us from serving the Lord by whatever various reason. I know this has been a very, very complex 
and difficult passage of Scripture. It is one that often causes a lot of disputing amongst brethren. But it's good nonetheless to read the Word of God and to, and to study it and to understand it. And I hope that you gain some encouragement from this this morning. Uh, any questions or comments before we dismiss? If not, we'll all stand. Thank you for your kind attention this morning. I'm glad to have everyone here this morning that can make it. We miss those that aren't here. Don't forget, services again tonight at 5 o'clock um, for those that can make it. If not, I hope everybody has a great week. And uh, Brother Wayne, would you mind dismissing us in a word of prayer, please, brother? Our Heavenly Father,